Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome in to another episode of the Primetime Titans. The fellas are fired up this morning. What a win on primetime television. The Titans finishing the hardest four-game stretch of their schedule, undefeated in that four-game stretch, going 4-0 and against the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, and now the Rams. What, what a wild ride it's been. The Titans currently sit atop of the AFC and they are seven and two, one game ahead of the Baltimore Ravens, who are six and two. And man, we break everything down. We talk about our defense. We talk about what the offense looked like without Derrick Henry. We talk about some apologies that we need to make to the, some of the coordinators, some of the players, um, and then one poor soul on the Rams who got absolutely dominated by Jeffrey Simmons on Sunday night. Um, you know, we 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 make an acknowledgement to him and his family. Um, and then we get into, at the end of the episode, kind of the AFC playoff picture, uh, what the Titans' schedule looks like the rest of the way, what we need to do moving forward, who we're going to be playing against, and um, kind of what, what this overall landscape is, is shaping into for the Titans. And it is good, ladies and gentlemen. It is going to be a wild and fun ride. Um, the Titans are in a great position. We could not be more fired up and excited about this Tennessee Titans team led by Coach of the Year candidate Mike Vrabel. We talked about it last week with Derrick Henry out. This is a perfect opportunity and a perfect narrative and storyline. If the Titans keep stringing together wins against this weaker schedule, you're going to start hearing it more and more. Mike Vrabel, Coach of the Year. And he deserves it. What a tremendous job he did uh, on Sunday night. What a great job he's done with the next man up in mentality and the culture that he's building. Um, what a great coach that Mike Vrabel has has really become in front of our eyes over the last uh, over the last few seasons. So, without further ado, I'll let you get into the episode. Let you hear what you came for. Um, please welcome in Jackson Five. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around a bend And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling on down the, the Primetime Titans podcast is presented to you today by Walker Financial Management. Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL and the engine of the Titans offense, but he would be the first to tell you that it takes consistent support from teammates, coaches, trainers, and advisors for him to be the most successful on and off the field. In the same way, small business owners are the engines of their companies and wear a lot of hats. Walker Financial Management exists to support owners of small to medium-sized businesses, specifically in regards to bookkeeping. They offer customizable solutions like transaction categorization, monthly financial statement preparation, accounts receivable and payable management, payroll, CFO services, and more. If you or someone you know is spending too much time, money, or stress on bookkeeping, find peace of mind by visiting www.walkerfm.com to schedule a free consultation with a certified bookkeeping professional today. That's www.walkerfm.com. All right, here we go. The Rams recap. I'm JG. I'm Pettit. And I'm Robert. And we are the Primetime Titans. Look at that. 
there we go. I had a little time away. We did a solo pod and learned how to do a proper intro. Which you did a great job. And for that, thank you. And for that, I am glad that I didn't just get into it um, and not do a proper intro because that's happened the past few episodes. Because Pettit and I were talking pre-show without you. And if you hadn't have cleaned it up this time, I think we would have quit. Yeah. No, I, I kind of, I sensed that. I felt that There's was coming. There's a lot coming. of tension. So the pressure was on for sure. Um, and honestly, though, for this episode, if I had just jumped into it, you wouldn't have been able to blame me much because, boy, what a game. Victory we Tuesday. We have just gone 4-0 in this stretch of games that I literally thought we would go 0-4. Maybe it's time. Let's. Let's actually, we're going to start this out. We owe some apologies. Let's just go ahead and get into it. We owe some apologies. I want to apologize first for to the Titans and to y'all, actually, and you listeners for saying that the Titans were going to go 0-4 in this stretch. But to be honest, maybe it's been good. Maybe I just need to keep, keep predicting losses because when I do that, we end up winning. So I want to apologize for that. We forgive you. I think I really appreciate it. <laughs> the next apology we need is Shane Bowen. He's been fantastic. He's been fired multiple times by this podcast <laughs> in the middle of games this year. I definitely was not. So happy is Todd Downing. Can we be honest? Yeah. yeah that's Todd true. Downing does. I'm too. still well, we're still We're still thinking about firing Todd Downing. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, well yeah, Shane Sh- Bowen, we just completed we have more sacks now after week nine than we did all last season. And if, our D-line is an absolute terror. Boy, oh boy. Best D-line in the NFL right now, according to a couple of uh, prognosticators who came on their shows on Monday morning talking about the Titans. And it is fun to watch. It is very fun it to watch. It is very fun to watch. I absolutely love it. I did, and I did not see this coming at all. This is great. My apology is to the left guard of the – the Los Angeles Rams, specifically his wife and his children and any grandchildren that he may have in the future. Um, Jeffrey Simmons made your the patriarch of your family look like a middle school boy out there. And I'm so, we're sorry. All right? We understand everybody's got a job to do, and Jeffrey Simmons just did it, his job a whole lot better than you did your job. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll take the blame for that because, because we can. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> because we can. <laughs> there maybe should have been a blur over that right. on national television. Borderline <laughs> explicit borderline explicit content. <laughs> yeah. It was almost too inappropriate. I that was I Chance didn't I was watching it with Chance. He didn't necessarily notice it at the start. I we re I rewind. It takes it. a rewind trained eye whatever. like you get with the hosts it of does. Primetime Titans it to does. see something like that. Yes. And we know I, I do know a lot of listeners out there with that trained eye. So so maybe you we should start your you. own podcast. We if commend you're out you. There. <laughs> any other apologies? Maybe I don't know. I I don't have any other apology right now. Just the entire defense players. Yeah, honestly, the whole team. Maybe do you want to apologize to Julio? He hasn't even really deserved an apology yet. But you could <laughs> no, just the whole team no, winning I, just because of my take before and what I didn't want him. I apologize for Morgan Cox. I don't know why, but I just want to apologize to him. I would. I'm on the brink of offering an apology to Ryan Tannehill. I um, am not there yet, though. I still want to <laughs> okay. see more, specifically an AFC Championship game. Gotcha. Okay, so 
we're gonna move on. We there, there's our apology segment. Maybe every now and then that's good for us, where we can voice things like, "Hey, you know what? Maybe I, I want to tell y'all something." We I, hold ourselves accountable. Yeah, I'm 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 sorry for this. And so, yeah, um, I do have a question for y'all. I want y'all to name. We are six and zero versus previous year playoff teams. Can you name them? All the playoff teams. All the no. All the teams that we are six zero against. Yeah, just uh, can you name them? Let's see. I mean, every team we beat Seahawks. Besides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see. Just, just name off our wins. Off the Jags. Off the top. Off the yeah. top of your head. So every team except. The well, you're, all right, you're we just have to list our teams that we've beaten besides the Jags. So it's, it's a trick question, okay? Seahawks, Rams. Oh, it's every team but the Colts. Every team except the Jags. But we beat the Colts twice. We have seven wins. Oh, yeah. but the Jags didn't go to the playoffs last year. The Colts went to the playoffs. That's. It was trying to. It was dead gummit. Did we it was, get you? It, no, it was supposed to be a trick question because you were going to think, oh, six and zero. Oh, that means there are six teams, but really, two of the wins are against the Colts. Yeah, but so the Jags trying, didn't make the playoffs. Was, y'all, it's so it would have been five. All right, moving it's on. Six. We are <laughs> six and zero oh versus playoff teams from the last year. So that's Bills one, Chiefs two. Colts twice, so okay. they're one playoff team. But I got you. We hear you. I, we're all over it. Great. Rams we're all over and it. Seahawks. It was supposed to be a trick question. Right, no, let's, you got let's move on to you, the next segment. You tricked us. That wasn't very good. <laughs> y'all were gonna. <laughs> I think we sniffed out your trick. I think you did. I think you did. I think yeah, I'm I, not even sure. <laughs> you you definitely did. That was. You know what? I want to apologize for that. <laughs> I owe y'all an apology for that. Apology not accepted. <laughs> that was terrible. Okay. Well, that was my basically trivia question. That was supposed to last y'all. a lot longer, probably. Maybe. But, well, we did uh, the apologies, so now we can just hop right into it. Let's get into our, you know, two to three minute recap of the game, instant reaction, and then uh, then we're going to talk about the offense. Who wants to go first? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um so well, I think what was most exciting and surprising to me was getting getting a win like that in primetime again, right? We beat the Bills two weeks ago or three weeks ago. No, two weeks ago in primetime on Monday Night Football. And, you know, if you follow this team for longer than a couple of years, you know we tend to have really high highs and really low lows, even in the Mike Vrabel era, right? They've been minimized, I guess, somewhat. Uh, really before Mike Vrabel and Mike and uh, – yeah, really before Mike Vrabel and John Robinson, we didn't really have any high highs. It was mo- mainly low lows besides like the, the, the 2000s. Um, we had, you know, 13 and 3 in 2008, and um, we were really good there in 99 and 2000, 2001, 2002 years. But really I was expecting – I'm still expecting at some point to have a letdown, but, you know, to have it – go so well on Sunday night football. I mean, that's a huge step in the direction that I think this franchise is trying to get to, which is an annual contender year in and year out. And you can just see it in the fact that we have a seventh round draft pick out of Marshall who steps up to the plate. He's got a hurt foot. I'm talking about Chris Jackson and he balls out for us and he makes some really good plays. We just have guys that step up to the plate when other guys go down. And that is 
an indicator of a great coach. So I think really what the last four games and capped off by the Sunday night football game really meant to me the most or showed me the most is how good of a coach Mike Vrabel is. We talked about it last week, how this could really set the stage for a lot of us uh, and, and a lot of people in the national media to kind of realize how good of a coach Vrabel is. Um, we had a, we had a little bit of what if you listen to Bill Simmons podcast he calls the Ewing effect. You guys heard of this? No. It's um, uh, coined after the NBA legend Patrick Ewing when his team lost Patrick Ewing for the playoffs or for a playoff series. Everybody counted them out and they came back and won. And his theory is like the Ewing effect when you lose your best player. It's so emotional on the players because they hear everybody talking about you know, how bad they are, how they can't win without player, that they actually raise their level of play for a game, and then it kind of dips back down. So I'm interested to see, you know, maybe we had a little Ewing effect against the Rams where we everyone elevated their game. We'll see if it continues. But you got to give, I think, the game ball to Mike Vrabel. Yeah. Uh, I guess my recap of the game is the defense was amazing. I mean, the first half they took complete control of the game. They forced what was almost a safety on Matthew Stafford and turned it into almost a pick six. They, Danico Autry was a fantastic. Batted balls, got sacks, got pressures, did everything. It was just like when one defensive lineman wasn't getting there, the other one was. And they were just attacking. And I think even Matthew Stafford was like, they were shown so many different things. I really didn't know what I was looking at. And then they were there immediately. Sometimes I feel like there was pressure when there wasn't pressure. Basically, he was just like, I'm getting tormented out here. Um, so defense looked great. And then, I mean, even when the defensive lineman didn't get there, surprisingly with all the injuries we've had, we had coverage sacks and it was like, what? I, I did not expect that at all. So that was a fantastic sight to see. I'm still, and maybe we can go into this a little bit more into the episode. I'm a little pessimistic on the offense. Yeah. I was not, I was not thrilled with their performance. Yeah. They had a lot of easy scores that I'm, they finished them, and that was great, but they didn't look very good. And Rams' defense is really, really good, so maybe that had something to do with it. AJ had two very, very bad drops. Bad we drops. Mean, horrible we'll drops. That. We'll get to that, Ended too. drives. Yeah. And they were like easy catches, too. They yeah. weren't even difficult. I wonder if Jalen Ramsey got in his head. I think he did, for sure. I, I hope that's the case, but, I mean, those drops were bad, and maybe that's why our offense looked a little bit worse, because those were kind of drives we were moving on. Totally. Um. Yeah, so I'm a little pessimistic there because, I mean, if they don't pick it up, they didn't look very good. Right, yeah. they. You really think the defense probably – I mean, two, a pick six and then a pick all the way to the two-yard line. So that's yeah. 14 points. So our yeah. offense only scored two touchdowns. Yeah. And then our O-line was horrible. They were – I mean, I'm surprised we scored even with those close – I thought those were going <laughs> to lead to field goals because our O-line was so bad. I mean, Lawan – is going to come back, and he's a huge, huge, massive upgrade from Bobby Hart. I mean, Bobby Hart, who be. came in, <laughs> who came in, he was actually our third, fourth left tackle because it's supposed to be Lawan, Kendall Lamb, Quisenberry. No, not Quisenberry. Uh, oh, Sombrero. Sombrero. <laughs> Sombrero. Maybe we need we Sombrero. Uh, do we owe him retired. an apology? No, no we don't. He no, owes no. us an apology yeah, after yeah. how we had to watch Bobby Hart so, yeah. for three hours. Bobby Hart's on our Sunday fourth night. string left tackle, <laughs> he, and he's. Horrendous. That is not on Bobby Hart. Okay, we're now your, requesting apologies. Your poor play, Bobby Hart, is a hundred percent because of Ty Sombrello. Because you should <laughs> never have been in that situation. 
Well, he's really bad, and I felt bad for Tannehill because he knew he was really bad. What were his his uh, blocking grades? I want to say he had a 25 PFF grade in the pass block and like a yeah. 39 in the run block. Oh, my god! It was 25.5 in pass, 39.6 in run. Yep. Not good. And then Nate Davis <laughs> was out as well. So Yeah, I mean, why was he out? Concussion. concussion. He was concussion. What, did he, get- he got a concussion against the Colts. Really? Which I will yeah. say, I must have missed that. Dylan yeah. Radens was not atrocious. Well, Aaron Brewer was the right guard for the game. Dylan Radens was in for a little bit, though. A he was bit, in yeah. as like a our tight our swing tight end or swing tackle. Yeah, um, he would he would come in he, some. I saw him. He had and the, Levin, he had the Levin. push on Adrian Peterson to get him in the end. Yeah, zone. we had but, like a, uh, we had like a. Aaron Brewer was great. Yeah, and he just came off IR, so uh-huh. he was in the least football shape probably of the guys, but he did really really well. He was Mr. Snap over the head against the Jets. Just well, saying. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, Aaron Brewer. Or I'd forgotten. Kudos to him. Quisenberry, I think, did okay. But our whole line. Yeah, it's I'm really not. really just Saffold and Ben Jones right now. They're gluing this team together. I'm not necessarily <laughs> worried about the O-line long term because I think Lawan, you plug him in and he's just, I mean, he's getting grades in the mid-90s every week. Like he's He yeah. is literally an island, which is what we need him to be. But he's got to play. So you basically, I, you basically answered a question I was going to ask later in the. In well, the how podcast. about that? How about that? <laughs> um, I'm gonna give my takes. First off, I said in the solo pod, I said we need to cut down on penalties. We had a bunch of penalties against the Colts, and I also did mention that a lot of the yards were from the defensive pass interferences because they were just ridiculous. There were some bad bad calls in favor of the Titans. Four penalties for 19 yards for the Titans. Massive. Listen to this. 12 penalties for 115 yards for the Rams. Killed them. Some of our drives, they helped us out and gave us penalties. Absolutely. Um, another, key, game. another key stat in the game, in the red zone, Titans were 3-for-3. Three three. Rams were 1-for-3. And I think that one was the final touchdown they had. They so, also they had, they scored on a third down. And yeah. Was barely, his foot was barely out of bounds. Actually, and they didn't go for it. And we were texting. It was like, I'm shocked. Well, I think that it was, was it was early in the game. It was fourth and goal. They just gotten a five yard penalty, and I think they were thinking, but then make it, it, it make it twenty one six. It's still a two possession game, so it was an interesting can, call that I think Rabel would have definitely gone for. Agreed. Yeah. And that's the red zone statistics are starting it's, to become a trend, and that's what was a struggle early in the year. We were talking about how in previous years we were so great in the red zone. What's happened to this team in the red zone? And now we're turning it around, and it's it's awesome. Like that is yeah. huge. It, it's almost like Vrabel has decided we cannot go to the red zone and not score touchdowns. Like we, four down territory in the red zone, we have to score touchdowns. And then on the flip side, think about the Chiefs game. Well, the Chiefs game we dominated on defense. Think about the Bills game, really, where we gave up a ton of yards, but then held them yeah, field goals only to field goals. And that's what we did. They got in the red zone, and that's what we did we on did Sunday night. So they clearly have made it a point of emphasis to um i don't know if they're changing things up or maybe giving different looks or bringing pressure or playing better defense in the red zone but something changes when the opposing team gets into that red zone and they start they start doing some different things to to keep them out of the end zone and it's working yeah Uh, a few things i want to point out overall like my reaction is kind of like um it's one of those things where my dad jokes about this. My little brother actually joked too. It's like 
we had such things go. We had a lot of things going for us at the start of the game that they were such huge momentum plays. I almost, yeah. I'm scared to watch the game again because I don't know if it's going to go the same way. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like the 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 interception. Like we were disruptive. We got out to an early lead, and it got to a point in the second half where I was like. They are almost in must t- like must score touchdown territory. So to the point to where like when they the Tyler Higby touchdown they got called back because he was stepped out of bounds. Yeah. Which by the way, Amani Hooker and Kevin Byard shows how amazing they are. They saw it. They Amani Hooker was like pointing to the ref like he was out of bounds, wasn't he? Yeah. So that was huge. And then the other thing, I I honestly think the Higby play was maybe like one huge of the swing. huge keys in the game. Another massive play in the game, and this gets me absolutely fired up. Amani Hooker, oh tackle short of the sticks yeah. on third down. I mean, third and three. That is play. a championship tackle right there. It's it. it so Daryl Henderson leaked out of the backfield. Stafford was under pressure, and on the TV screen, it looks like nobody is around. Oh, Daryl Henderson. It's like a first down. He's it's running like a 10, 15 yard gain. Yeah, it was like it was third and three, and he's running about a yard. Past the line of scrimmage towards the sideline, catches it, and then Amani Hooker comes out of nowhere. Perfect form tackle. Oh, amazing! Grab ta- his I leg, mean, didn't gain a single yard after the catch. You can you can tell like how much better this defense is with Amani Hooker in there. And it's not like oh my gosh, our defense is atrocious without Amani Hooker because we still can get it done with some of the guys, but they don't make nearly the game changing plays like Amani Hooker does. The my guy, my Iowa ball Hawkeye. Anyways, um, and to think about this too, I actually went back yesterday and watched the Ravens uh, highlights again from last year in the playoffs. There were I could have counted on the highlights alone three missed tackles by Kenny Vaccaro and Desmond King in the really? flats on J.K. Dobbins, on Gus Edwards, and on Marquise Brown. That's a great point. So Amani Hooker right now proving to be a significant upgrade over the starters from last year. That's a great point. And then the very next play was the fourth and one. They went for it. They had to go for it. And Bud Dupree and was in his face. Bud Dupree was in his face. I think that's when Matthew Stafford actually rolled his ankle. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that was that was massive. So there's my, you know, instant reaction. Is your game ball go to Monty Hooker? Uh, no, my game ball would probably go to probably Jeffrey Simmons. Honestly. Or it's got to be him or Kevin Byard. Yeah, or Kevin Byard because, I mean, Kev, the, they actually gave – Two game balls, like they both got game balls that for Sunday sense. night football. So it would be like your is Amani Hooker your third guy honorable mention? Uh, I'd probably go Autry. Oh, Autry! Was yeah, fantastic. Autry was amazing. So was David Long. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I, I want to give it to an offensive player, but I just can't. There's I nobody will, to give it what? to on the offense. You know, I do. I, I I did forget. I owe an apology. I do owe an apology. Talk to me. I owe an apology to Jeff Swain. Jeff Swaim, you dog. No, you don't. Because yes, I do. he deserved every ounce <laughs> okay, maybe yes. of accusation and disrespect that you okay. gave him because he was terrible for the first four games of the year. And he has turned it around. That actually is true. I don't he know, has so turned it around. Apology. I just he needed that. It's refreshing to see. He needed that. that was, we lit a fire under him. Okay. Hey, listen. Some people respond differently. And Jeff Swaim, to his credit, he responded to the criticism. All right, and, and that's, that's but you can't apologize for that. Titans you know, team. you can't apologize. That's for that. the little microcosm of this Titans team. They don't respond by going to the corner and crying. They respond by getting back up and looking in the face. Well, and some saying, of them do. I'm getting back out there. I think Bobby Hart does, <laughs> and I think <laughs> we not, need. To, I need to think we need to cut Bobby let's, Hart. Yeah, let, no, let's. I think we should cut Bobby some slack. 
What? How can I mean, we cut him any slack? Yeah, what slack? He, had a he was super tough. Job. He single-handedly he did the same thing last week. He did, I think he yeah, did zero. Okay. He's he did a zero in the past game okay. last week. All we right. would be better with a six wide receiver out there instead of a fifth offensive lineman. Would we be better with current state Bruce Matthews at left tackle? Honestly, maybe. <laughs> similar. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Tannehill played. I saw his PFF grade was an 82. So I think they were like, you know what? You did fantastic knowing that you had somebody in your face every single play. Yeah. And I, I yeah. really do. My theory on the game is a big difference was I think the refs were very much in our favor. Our Except for the turnovers. But the big theory I had is the Rams O-line did not expect to get destroyed like they did. The right. Titans O-line did. Tannehill very much knew that we are my that line a, is not going to hold point. up. And so he was like, I got to get rid of this ball. Yeah. This isn't a surprise to me. I know I got to be moving, and doing all this. And the difference of Stafford was like, this is new. I don't know what I'm looking at. And then a guy's at him. It's insane because like, I feel like that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why Mike Vrabel is such a good coach. I remember uh, Pettit made that point to us in, in a group text. I think our group text, but... I read that and was like, that is spot on. Like, that is incredible. Amazing point, Pettit. Because that's the type of, like, Thanks, Mike Vrabel coach team where he knows his strengths, he knows his weaknesses. He's knowing that Taylor Lewan's not going to be his left tackle. So he's got to have the defense step up big. Let's be aggressive on defense, run a bunch, of t- like, a ton of stunts, and let's run a different kind of offense, like a quick offense. So that that's awesome. Yeah, I, we didn't really take any shots deep. Yeah. Which we didn't have to because we were leading, but he didn't have time to. That's what I'm saying. Like they didn't call anything where he really needed to stay in the pocket too long and wait for things to develop. One of the one plays he did throws an interception to Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, which I I do think the refs had a poorly officiated game, but we got screwed with the whole two unsportsmanlike conduct, changing one. I don't even know what that whole thing was. There were two. They AJ Brown and Jalen Ramsey got the taunting unsportsmanlike conduct later in the game, and earlier in the game, Jalen Ramsey got an unsportsmanlike conduct, and Vrabel was like, "Wait, that's his second. He should be out, right?" And then the ref got on and said, "No clarification. The first one was a personal foul." Even though but, in the official stat book, yeah, John Glennon tweeted, "Actually, no, you called it taunting. It is still the, at unsportsmanlike the beginning. conduct." So then they went back and changed it mid-game in the stat book. So yeah. did they really? Yeah, they did. Kind of a kind of a shady thing. Fortunately, the Titans did not get. You know, it didn't hurt us. We still won the game, and we won the game handily. If Jalen Ramsey wasn't in that game, though, I think our offense could have done a lot. Like Jalen Ramsey actually was all over the place. Yeah, he was. He, I mean, that play, the the Marcus Johnson reverse that we tried, the Jalen Ramsey oh, just yeah. got right by Deontay Foreman. Like, that would have been easily. a big play. Yeah, um, I want to get into the offense now. So uh, I want to tell you all a little bit about the rush attempts. Adrian Peterson. 10 rushes, McNichols, 7 rushes, Foreman, 5 rushes. And then catches, AP had 1 and McNichols had 3. So is that what we're thinking is going to be kind of the, you know, the split the rest of the way? Or did we see more from Deontay Foreman? What do we think? I think strictly based on game performance, Deontay Foreman was the best back of the three by far. Yeah, he looked looked good. He almost almost kind of broke a longer one. Yeah, I want to say he had 5 rushes for about 30 yards and – one of them could have easily been, I mean, based on the screen, based on the TV video or whatever, it could have been 
a touchdown maybe. I think Der- Der- Derek's the running back, and that was a touchdown. Yeah. The one he slipped yeah, on. Definitely. But I, I want to give Adrian Peterson time. He's been on his couch, you know, working out, staying in shape. I think he looked good. I think if you just look at, you know, who's the fastest, biggest, he had a couple, he had a spin move in the backfield on Eric Donald on the very, very first, first play. play. Yeah, very first play. Um, he's got a little run with his pads a little bit lower. They made a, a mention and a nod to that in the broadcast. He's kind of running a little bit straight up. I think as the season goes on, Adrian Peterson is going to get back to his form. He also was just running straight in the line of scrimmage, 100 miles an hour. He's got your little there patient. There were many holes. Yeah, honestly, I mean, he, he's got to knock some rust off. I do agree that Foreman looked better and had better production of the three, but I also think our offense just 194 yards of offense, not a lot going, but we didn't need a lot to go on on Sunday night. So uh, Saints have a very good defense coming in. Uh, we'll we'll get to see hopefully Adrian Peterson. I think it. I, I do think it needs to be Adrian Peterson. Um, Foreman looked good. I love Foreman, but I think Adrian Peterson probably has another level he can get to that Foreman maybe can't. It's still definitely going to be by committee. Overall. It's going to be by committee. Yeah, for a while. And I still think McNichols is more of a pass pass catcher. He had a big run, but it, he didn't look so too fast on it, and yeah, he kind of goes down pretty easily as a runner. Um, I like him out of the backfield and running routes, but I don't know that I want to rely on him to get the ball 10 times a game Yeah, uh, in the backfield. And then, uh, Pettit, like you said, A.J. Brown's drops. Um, the That one that was kind of, it was like kind of a high throw that he jumped up to get, he 100% should have caught it. It was a weird throw, but he definitely should have caught that. I yeah, mean, that was, and he, he has to turn his, his hands around. Yeah. He's catching the ball. He jumps up, and he, he, he catches the ball like he's trying to almost corral like it in with a bread basket. He's got to flip his hands over and, and, and make the apex, you know, so he can – you have a much better catch right radius. Now, yeah, I'm trying to – I'm using my hands, and I'm trying to explain <laughs> it with my – Can you listeners not see it? <laughs> but um, – Anyway, imagine you're praying and you lift that up to try to catch a football versus waving with two versus hands. waving with two hands at somebody and you put your hands together to go catch the football. You have a much better success rate if you wave at somebody and put your hands we just together. Take a, we just take a, a picture like with the bread basket and then take another picture. Yeah, with can we post that? The hands. That be the, sure. Like here's an illustration. illustration. <laughs> here's, here's the illustration of what we mean. <laughs> That's great. I and then the other drop. The other drop was really bad. I mean, oh, yeah. he had it. He he was getting hit. He was about to get hit. I don't know. He came out and said after the game that Jalen Ramsey got in his head, or he basically said Jalen Ramsey won that one. Yeah. Um, and I, it he made it sound like and Jalen Ramsey's notorious for this. He was at Florida State. He would look up opposing receivers. Uh, girlfriends on Instagram and and like slide into their DMs, DMs. on on Instagram bef- like three or four days before game day and all time trash talk like he just is the most creative and borderline Savage. yeah dirty like, there's so many words you can associate with him and I think he got under J- AJ Brown's skin is that yeah. the first time AJ's gone up against him in his career no Jags Jags games I think maybe AJ I'm gonna look it up but I think maybe. AJ has never played him because he got traded before AJ was with us. But I'll look it up. I think he got traded midway through 2019. So the first game we played the Jags, 
would maybe be when AJ was on our team. But that, that's actually a good question. I'll look I it think up. we did. Um, Pettit, what'd you think? You so you you you've actually kind of already said you're a little concerned about the offense. My take is I almost don't know if we can. Like it was such a weird game with no Taylor Lewan, um Aaron Don. I mean, Aaron Donald's so good, and yeah, Leonard he, Floyd, and they. I'm glad they didn't have Von Miller. Yeah, uh, this game he ended up being hurt and not playing. So I don't know. I I just. I definitely see the concern. I'm just really hopeful that yeah, I, it's not how it's going to be the rest right of the Right now, I'm just concerned. I think going into a, um, I guess, a lower-profile team like the Saints or the Patriots. Still a good defense, though. Yeah, and the Patriots have a fantastic defense, too. Mm-hmm. So I think without that high-profile game of the Rams, I could see our offense dropping off. I mean, when I say drop off, I think maybe the defense plays average, and then our offense our is offense like, you know what, we it. don't play very well, and I'm nervous that the offense continues to not play great. I like not being able to sustain drives and just turning the ball over every once in a while, and just like not playing great without the defense's help. Yeah, and especially in a lower profile game like the Saints and the Patriots, that's where I'm nervous, or even the 49ers and the Dolphins, stuff like that. Like. I'm not as worried about the Jags and the Texans, obviously, but other teams. So, real quick, Jalen Ramsey did play in the very first game against the Titans when he was with the Jags in 2019, and that was the 20-7 to Thursday night game. Thirty nine, uh, yes, Thursday night beating the Jaguars put on us. Oh, uh, we gosh, were one and that one. Game stunk. They were zero and two. Remember, Dory Jackson couldn't catch a, a punt to save his life. That game was awful. Yeah, DJ Chark had a fade in the end zone. Derek, oh, we could we couldn't we couldn't do anything. So, uh, but that was the third game of his rookie season. So you know, well, that was when like he still he had a good game against the Browns, Falcons. I don't know. I that yeah, it was early. Um, Julio, what do we think about Julio? His involvement. I mean, th- he had a he had a few key catches like that third down. That he oh, got the huge! First down that, that third down was huge because if he turned the, if we don't get that third down in the fourth quarter, I mean it was a twenty-one to nine game. They 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 could have come back. Yeah, and I think like there are certain plays that you see that okay, that's why that's why you trade for Julio. But I don't know if we've seen too many of those plays yet. We didn't see anything from the offense. Yeah, yeah. So that's it's, again, it's hard to really judge. Yeah, except more concern, honestly. Yeah, so, so we'll get we'll get more. I'll ask y'all some questions about the offense later. Let's get into the defense. I mean, what can we what can we say? I'm I'm just elated. Like um, we, it's amazing. We we did not see any kind of pressure like this at all, really, until the Ravens playoff game, where we kind of were putting some pressure on Lamar Jackson, and then he made us look stupid on that long touchdown. Like this is incredible. The four man pass rush. If we can keep this pass rush up, like. This is why I think we are a legitimate, like, we still have a shot at the number one seed, especially oh, after totally. especially after what happened this weekend with the losses in the AFC. And yeah. with our schedule, we had the, to date, we have the hardest schedule in the NFL. The nine games we played have been the hardest in the NFL, and we're seven and two. The next, what, eight games, or no, seven games. How many no, games? It's, it's eight games. Eight games. The next eight games, we have the easiest schedule remaining in the NFL. So we we're the fa- we should be the favorite, you know, on any kind of model or or predictor um, 
Toby. We literally have a we have a ninety nine percent chance of making the playoffs. Ninety nine percent chance right to make now. the playoffs, and according to one model that I looked at yesterday, fifty eight percent chance to be the number one seed in the AFC. Wow. Um, another stat. Uh, Mike Herndon tweeted this. We we've mentioned him before. Great follow on Twitter. We need. We either have to win five games, or some you know the Col- or or the Colts lose five games, or some combination of five between us and the Colts. Whether we win three, they lose two; we win two, they lose three. Some combination of five, and we clinch the, clinch the AFC South. And the Colts um, don't have that easy of a schedule. No, they, they got to play the Bills. They got to play the Bucks. Um, and we get the Dolphins. We they get the Texans play the twice. They still have to play the Cardinals. They got to play the Cardinals. So. Looking really good for us to potentially have the AFC South wrapped up by bye week. Um, and then, I mean, I was going to say, you know, now we might want to think about starting to rest some of our guys. But, I mean, Vrabel's been doing that for the last, you know, four weeks anyway. So, we'll yeah. see. I don't even remember what your question was, JG. What was it's your question? Defense. It was uh, – we were just talking about the defense. It's It's truly remarkable to watch. We haven't had a shutdown defense like this in a long time and we have one right now we have a, t- a defense that when we're there playing well they can win you a ball game and they did last night or they did on what sunday night the um defense has allowed one touchdown to the rams and the chiefs combined that's amazing that Whoa. is a stat i did not expect coming into and the touchdown season. was basically garbage time garbage time uh, one thing that i'm going to point out that was so fun to watch was Jayon brown being back from ir yeah, and he wasn't even at full strength. I wouldn't say, but him and David Long together are such a fun duo. I really hope David Long got injured at the very end of the game. Really hope he's okay because I would love to watch them play together. Because again, they only had one other game earlier in the season where Jayon Brown got hurt and then went on IR. So they've only played together for about a full game now together. Um, they're super fun to watch. David Long has been maybe. Maybe a pro bowler. I mean, he's been all over the place. He, There was one play that I'm going to highlight here where they highlighted on the broadcast where they had a tight end or a wide receiver go deep. And then they had... Yeah, it was Cooper Cup. Actually. Cooper Cup. And David Long was falling side by side with him. Jayon Brown was following another guy and was based... I think it was a coverage sack where, I mean, if you have Jayon Brown... If you have two middle linebackers playing coverage on star wide receivers... That's incredible. And then they highlighted David Long's ability to blitz, and he's he had one of the best one, blitz. He had that one where he squeaked. He like snuck through kind of. He almost made that tackle in the backfield. You know what I'm talking he about? He had another one where he was totally a decoy. It was actually a really cool play. He goes straight at the left tackle, dove to the right of him, and then the left tackle jumped on top of him. And I think it was Harold Landry or Bud Dupree just goes out wide. That's and he sweet. didn't get there, but they pressured. It was a cool play. Um and then, yeah, it's David Long's been a great at pressuring too. David Long, I yeah. would say he's he's and tackling. The same, he's such great form. He's the like I am right now. I kind of associate David Long and Imani Hooker together mm-hmm. in the sense that when they're on the field, you can tell why how much better the defense is. They're if both they're so off fun the to field, watch. If they're off the field, it's not like it's a bad defense. It's just that. You yeah. can tell we're it's not as good of a defense when they are there. They're it's both like such good tacklers, such good tacklers. They right. are just hustlers. They're so fast. They're, they're the smart. type of glue that you need on your defense, right? They're Dude. not your stars like Kevin Byard and Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons, but 
You need and them to have they're a defense. Like, and they're still on their rookie deals. They, you know, they're both from the same draft class, that 2019 right. draft class. I mean, they fourth round pick and fifth round pick. Yeah, I mean they're they're legit. Listen to this. Titans without blitzing this season. 19 sacks. Wow. We had five on Sunday. That's, that's the top in the NFL, year. right? That's tied for first in the NFL. We had 19 all of last year. Yeah, I think so, like 19 and a half all of last year. 30% pressure percentage, which is second in the NFL. So we're essentially doing – I mean, we have 19 of our 23 sacks without blitzing. And that's the main reason why the defense is looking so good because historically – or not even historically, in recent memory, like even with DNPs, we had to send extra – pressure we had to send exotic blitzes to get there and I can't remember a really a time in my life where the Titans have had a pass rush where it was like okay there's four guys on the defensive line that could get to the quarterback on any given drop back any one of them I mean yeah we've had Javon Kirst we've had Kyle, uh, Vandenbosch. Kyle Vandenbosch we had Jason Babin I was about to say um, Albert Hainsworth but never like a unit that's working so well together that they do these stunts really well together. It's insane. And they're getting better every single week. I have another stat for you guys. The first six games of the season, the opponents that Titans played averaged 276 passing yards and 8.2 yards per pass against the Titans. That came with 101.9 passer rating and a 76% completion rate, okay? Passer rating, for those of you who don't know, it's like how – Efficient. A, yeah, how efficient an opposing quarterback is against a defense. The best you can get is what, 135 or 153, I think. It might be like, yeah, 150 or 153. I feel like it's up there. Um, and then here's, here's the big thing. In the first six games, we only had 13 sacks, okay? So then the, the last three games, Chiefs, Colts, Rams, all right, um, a 69.1 passer rating. So that's down 30 points, all right? Less than 60% of, of their passes were for completions, but we've had 10 sacks in the last three games compared to 13 sacks for the first that's, six games. That's amazing. Um, and then opposing and quarterbacks have are, only averaged 5.4 yards per attempt because they're not having time to wait for those long-developing plays to get down there. And those last three games, Chiefs, Colts, Rams. Chiefs' offensive line is, you know, they're they're struggling. Their offense... They're struggling right now. They're still the Chiefs. And then the Colts and the Rams are two of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Yeah. Like, Matthew Stafford was not getting sacked much this year, was not getting pressured much. It was very much not the type of game he thought no, not know, at all. was going to happen. He was not ready for that. It's And it's starting to become a trend, I think, as we look over the Mike Vrabel years uh, or seasons with Mike Vrabel as our head coach. The, the Titans get better every year as the year goes on. Um, in different areas, we focus on them, and he seems to have that effect where he those units get better as the year goes on, and we're seeing it with the pass rush. This is not the same pass rush. you know. I know we got Bo Dupree healthy, and Autry is starting to become more comfortable, but Simmons and Landry look even better totally better than they did the first couple weeks of the season. So I think that's another area where you just got to give credit to Vrabel and the kind of mentality and the culture that he builds um, of getting better every single week. And he doesn't let guys kind of rest and feel complacent and feel good about themselves. Like he was asked, you know, how, how are you going to treat the team 
now that you guys are at the top of the AFC South or the AFC. Um, yesterday's press conference, he's like, "Well, I mean, I hope I don't treat him any differently. We got a game coming in against the Chiefs or against the Saints. We got a lot of things we got to improve on. You know, he doesn't. He's not here to pat himself on the back. There's another game. Yep. I mean, one more thing. I think with that pick six and the number of interceptions that Kevin Byard, Kevin Byard was, was five interceptions. That was Kevin Byard's first pick six of his career. Yeah, that surprised me. I didn't realize he never yeah, had a pick six. He's gotten really close, I remember, a lot of times. But. His yeah. first NFL touchdown was four weeks ago or five weeks ago against oh, the really? Jags. Wow. When he, when he returned wow. that fumble that for a fumble. touchdown. He, I think at this point, he's in conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. Do you think all the sports writers know how to pronounce his name? No, no, Al Michaels doesn't. He said Bayard. Again, <laughs> I know. I was like, are that you kidding? That doesn't bother me. It doesn't Bayard bother me. doesn't bother me as it much as, uh, what did Tiki Barber say? I think he said Bayard. Was it Bayard? I thought it was worse than that. I don't know. It, it, maybe it was Bayard. I just, no, he is the best safety in the NFL right now. I mean. He is. I, I mean, from a grading standpoint, from a production standpoint, from a leadership well, standpoint, I mean, what what more does he have to do? Yeah, the, you He's, actually bring that up. The, I mean, oh, go ahead. The PFF's highest graded safeties in the NFL, minimum 200 snaps. Kevin Byard, number one, 91.2. Number two, Amani Hooker, That's surpri- That's more surprising yeah. to me. Like, I would expect that from Kevin Byard, but the fact Amani Hooker's Amani number Hooker's two? up there, too, yeah. That's crazy. What were you going to say, Pettit? Um, I was going to talk about how Defensive Player of the Year conversation with Kevin Byard. It's really, I mean, from what I can tell, it's kind of between him and Trayvon Diggs at the Cowboys. Yeah, and Trayvon Diggs has kind of fallen off. But he's I'm still, sure even Donald's with his numbers of not having a pick in the last two games, he still has seven picks and I think two touchdowns. Well, I mean, Kevin Byard but has five and two is, touchdowns. No, and Kevin Byard has five picks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery, and a touchdown, and two touchdowns. Yeah. So, so they mean, are they're neck and neck. Right? I'm sure Aaron Donald has some big but, stats, too. But if you look at, yeah, true, but Kevin Byard has been significantly better than Trayvon Diggs in coverage. Oh. Trayvon Diggs is basically a boomer bust guy. He's either getting a pick and or a touchdown. Or he's, or he's given up. Or he's given up. Yeah. yards on the a Broncos kind of targeted Trayvon Diggs on Sunday. Really? Yeah, like they threw it at him multiple times. Yeah, it's not a bad strategy. I mean, if he's going to try and jump around every time, then take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it'll be hard for Kevin Byard to win yeah. Defensive Player of the Year, mainly because there's still that opinion by a lot of people who don't watch a lot of Titans games that we have a bad defense, like. You still hear that. I know. People People don't know, like, a lot of, you know, I watched a handful of national shows um, talking about the NFL, and a lot of people don't really know what to do with the Titans because they still are thinking that we had the same defense as last year. That was abysmal. Because we kind of did against the Cardinals and the Seahawks, and we kind of, and then the Jets, you know, we kind of started to turn it around in the last four games. But a lot of, you can kind of tell the national sports writers and uh, talk show hosts who don't watch most of the Titans games. Like last night was or Sunday night was their first time to see yeah. how good our defense has actually become. Might have been the first time Chris Broussard watched the Titans play. Um, he's the one who said the tail of the wand comment <laughs> on the Bills. Uh, a couple, like real quick, Chris Jackson doing great. He's been great. And Christian Fulton isn't even back. Yeah, Christian Fulton could come back next week. We put him outside, put Chris Jackson in the slot, and 
Elijah Boys. Molden's That's also been great. Too. Elijah, Elijah Molden's, Molden's been, been playing really well. There hasn't been a guy in the defense playing bad in, he, in the last I three weeks. Like, I feel like Elijah Molden. Right? Janoris gets, Jenkins is the only one where you're like, you're playing mediocre. But he's, yeah. still but he's not, not even, being mentioned. We're not even really saying his no, name. No, but he's still just like timid on tackling. Like he's but I mean, you, you get that. You, but he's so much better than Adoree. You know? yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, a, like I just, I don't know. I'm not, Janoris may not be that shutdown corner we he's thought he could be. He's not targeted by a, an offense. Yeah, but he's not a liability. Like yeah. at this point, I think he's a solid leader who's going to do his job well. I mean, I know he had a bust against the Bills, but since then he's kind of locked it down and had some good plays. I think he's starting to settle in, become a solid, reliable veteran corner. Yeah, um, and then hopefully Christian Fulton returns to his lockdown corner ways. I mean, guys, we are a Super Bowl contender, and I, the national media doesn't know it. They don't even they don't understand it because the fact that we were able to go into Los Angeles into SoFi Stadium and beat one of the best team—that's one of the top three or four teams in the NFL, I think. Hundred percent. And we did that without Derrick Henry. I mean. And then our schedule, we're going to be able to coast into the playoffs. We should. We should be able to coast in the playoffs. That's right. We can't get complacent like we did against the Jets. That's our commitment to you, <laughs> listeners. We are not going to start. Uh, you know, we said when ex- Derrick Henry went down, we were going to we were going to be better. We were going to yeah, step up. We had to elevate our game. Let's not coast. That's right. We well, Let's we're not going to coast baby. as a podcast. We can guarantee you that. <laughs> um, but we should be able to hopefully uh, get healthy. And have a stress-free December. Maybe we could say it that way. Have a stress-free December. Can I? Can we? Can we hope for that? Maybe uh, stress-free. Stress-free December. I believe would be at Steelers. No, Jaguars at Steelers. 49ers, Dolphins. Yeah. So I mean, if I you can get to a point December. where you're okay going two and two in December, if you're you know getting guys healthy and figuring things out, and I mean, you could have the AFC South wrapped up by that point and have a two-game lead in. The entire be conference incredible. would be incredible. Okay, so we're going to wrap up with some just rapid fire uh, questions. The rest of the way, can we rely on this defense like we did Sunday night against the Rams? I'm saying yes because of the D line. Okay. Until, I mean, if we don't get any injuries with that D line, all right, and knock on wood, I think, I think Bud Dupree is going to actually start, start to get even better. Yeah. He's right. being disruptive. The stats aren't showing it, but yeah. he's, he's being disruptive. But, I mean, I think what really makes this D-line run is Autry. I think Danico Autry he's a freaking is a technician. I don't even know how he gets free sometimes. I'll be watching a replay, and he'll be locked up, and then all of a sudden he's he's free. And I'm like, I don't even did you move, did you make a move? You know, <laughs> hey, you know he's really making a move when you see his dreads fly in the air. Yes. And you go, oh, here we go. Yes. Did he watch him about to make? They a move? also have such confidence in each other. It's which amazing. Is, yeah, they're like one of us is getting there. Yeah, and they play well together. And I think Harold Fires Landry has eight up. and a half, nine sacks. He went in Simmons with eight and a half, and five he, and a half, and then Autry. Did he keep five. it? Did he get a sack on Sunday? He got a sack on Sunday. It might have been did, credited. Has, that's like five or six straight games of a sack. It might have been credited a as a half sack. It was a half. Okay, um, but Petty, so I, I think he has nine. Jeffrey Simmons has five and a half. Autry has five, and I think Bud Dupree is one or two. But what's crazy is teams. You 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 basically have to double Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, I mean teams are going to see that bull rush. What he did to that poor left guard for the Rams. <laughs> and they're going to say we don't want. And they're going to be like, should we, hey, should we take a moment family? of silence? Should we take a quick moment of silence? <laughs> um, and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut out the silence. He had a half sack. He had a half sack. So he has nine sacks in the year right now. Gotcha. Harold Landry. 
Um, so you say yes as well, Pettit? Um, I, I I definitely agree that our defense will be very, very good. I don't know if we can rely on it for points like we yeah. did against the Rams and the Chiefs and stuff like that. So I think they'll be very good and they'll consistently get pressure throughout the season. But yeah. like, we can't rely on them to basically carry us to a win like the Rams. So we've had a great four-week stretch. All right. I'm hesitant because classic Titans would be Trevor Simeon, backup third-string quarterback for the Saints. It might be Taysom Hill. Comes into Nashville. But I'm saying classic Titans would be the third-string quarterback for the Saints. Trevor Simeon, who looked pretty bad against the Falcons, comes into Nissan Stadium and, you know, puts up five touchdowns on us. Yeah. So so I just, you know, I want to trust this defense. I do. I'm there. For the big games, I think I'm here. Uh, Let's see you do it. Let's see you do it when it's not a national spotlight, when it's a noon game and it's cold, and we got a backup quarterback coming in because apparently we're terrible against rookies and backup quarterbacks. <laughs> I don't understand yeah, I'm, it. I'm nervous about the Saints game for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, especially with the offense, who do we think leads the team in rushing the rest of the season? Yards and attempts. I've got an interesting person to say here Ryan Tannehill. Oh, <laughs> on yards. Wow, that means the I think that's because atrocious. the other three running backs are going to all three split so okay. many carries. I see. And I think Tannehill is going to have – I think. I mean, I just don't know. It could be Jeremy Nichols one week. It could be Peterson the next week. It could be Foreman the next week. And I think Tannehill is going to consistently have like 20, 30, 40, 50 yards a game. Yeah. And one thing, being leading rusher. One thing quickly I want to say to that, I meant to mention it earlier – you were saying with Derek, without Derrick Henry, we're not going to be able to run those like you know, fake pitch out and Tannehill rollout. I still think did with it. Adrian Peterson in the backfield, it, we can still sell that run. The naked so, bootleg is undefeated. Yeah, we can still well, sell that run all the way I mean, back the to stats, Peyton Manning. The stats show that some of the best play action teams are teams that actually have some of the worst rushing game, like the Falcons, and there was another team that was really bad at rushing too. That they both were. I think it was the Dolphins have some of the best play action, yeah, and yet they have the worst rushing. Um, I think attempts is going to be Adrian Peterson. Okay. I think he's going to lead the team in rushing attempts. Rushing yards? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. McNichols? Like, gonna, I think Tannehill's yeah. a good guess. but I'm going to say maybe McNichols. attempts is going to be AP. I'm going to say yards is Deontay Foreman. I'm I wouldn't it. be surprised if Foreman kind of establishes himself. I feel like he's going to start to get those chunk plays. I mean, he looked yeah. good. He did he look big. Good. He looked fast. And he looked good last year when he when he when he played uh, some snaps. I I think it was against the Browns. He had a really really bad miss block on that reverse. That was him. Yes. Um, and just so you know, that does not count as a reception for Marcus Johnson. I know. I know. It was a rush. <laughs> so he's still at four. He's still at four. <laughs> I'm getting a little scared. And for those of you who haven't been following, JG and I have a friendly wager. On the over-under at nine and a half for Marcus Johnson. If he gets 10 catches, I get 10 bucks. If he doesn't get 10 catches, or if he gets less than 10 catches, Robert gets 10 bucks. Okay, speaking of catches, are we concerned? I asked this earlier in the year. It's kind of back. Are we concerned about AJ's drops? It's starting to become a little bit of a problem. It didn't hurt us too bad. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, about, I'm about 20% concerned. But... <laughs> It's that's a higher percentage than I than I have been be. on him. No, I'm not I'm, really either. I want to say no, but again, I, I think it might be a few here and there in this season. 
next season, I don't think it is a problem yeah. at all. Um, Julio, we think he's going to get more involved. I think he will down the stretch. He had two less snaps than AJ last week. So he was playing night. a lot. So he played a lot. He did play a full four quarters. He didn't I get think hurt. he's about to get more involved, and I think once the passing game starts stepping up, Julio's getting more involved. Yeah. I think if he even, you know, if somebody looks at his hamstring the wrong way, Vrabel is going to sit him for that game. So it's hard to say, like, I just think I think we're going to slowly start to see him. Or you know what? I think we're going to see him where he's going to miss another couple games this year like because of a random hamstring injury, and then we're going to see him in practice two days later, and we'll be like, he looks so fine. Why yeah. did he miss that game? And it's just it, you know, like, like Vrabel is, like I've been saying, he's doing load management, and it, it'll be interesting to see when do they decide, okay, we're going to the playoffs we need to get him in playoff shape. And maybe they've already started. Maybe this was the first game where they said, okay, you're going to play the whole game so you can start getting playoff shape as we get down the stretch here. Um, we'll see. It's it's a pretty master class, I think, job of this Titans organization and staff, the way that they have rested players almost aggressively. We've played 77 players this year. Yeah, but and like it was pretty clear in warm-ups, Lawan in an emergency, like, Luan could have played. It looked like it. Uh, so you have to think they are, they're taking a more cautious approach where they're saying, like, look, we've been saying this all year. They're saying, we want you healthy for the playoffs. We want you healthy when it matters. And we're still winning games. It's phenomenal. I mean, that's, that's just, it's unheard of in the NFL to, to win seven games of your first nine with 77 players. That, that's, Four or that's uh that's seven players off the NFL record through yeah. nine weeks of players used. It's insane. I wonder if uh kind of something that goes into that is Vrabel being a player understands that these practice squad guys, a lot of them are not that big of a drop off from like and they are dying to make a mark on a team that they sometimes aren't as big as a drop off if they're well coached and do like if you can teach them that they can make an impact yeah. in a game. Maybe he's seen that as a player, been like, these guys are actually pretty good. And they almost know how to get, okay, we've got two games coming up where we're not going to have Christian Fulton. Who do we need to go get against this specific team? Like you see Greg Maben play. Greg Maben did great. Yeah, he did. Insane. He did so well, but then did he, I don't think he played. Well, he, got, he was he hurt. Got hurt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I just feel like they go out and they get these practice squad guys for one game who they're great against this particular matchup, and they're like, Vrabel knows how to get them fired up to play out of their mind for one game, but you also don't want to rely on them for a whole season. Yeah. Okay, rest of season, schedule, home games, Saints, Texans, Jags, 49ers, Dolphins, away games, Steelers, wait, we might play, I think we play Patriots at home, that might be at Patriots, can't remember, but Texans and Steelers, we... Like, we can do this. It's at Patriots. At Patriots, okay. At Patriots, at Steelers, at Texans. At, we we got some very beatable teams. I mean, we can literally beat all these teams. Yeah. We can lose to some of these teams. We can lose to so, all of them, as we've seen against the Jets. I mean, the Jets may actually serve for a like one of those games where we lost it for a reason. We like Because we lost it, it's in the back of our minds every single week. Like, we're doing great, but... We can't get complacent because remember we lost to the Jets. Yeah, like if you guys let up, if you guys think you've arrived, we're gonna lose to the Jets again. And it's like almost a year long. It was such an embarrassingly bad loss. It's almost gonna serve as a motivator. Um, 
for the rest of the season. Yeah. So um, we kind of went on for a while. Uh, as we should. As we should. Are we boys, Because it's been a while since girls, we've had a team like boys this. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, listeners of Primetime Titans, you primetime listeners, we have just gone 4-0 in the hardest stretch of our schedule that I, as documented, thought we would go 0-4 in. And we are 7-2. and It's wild. Things are going great, but here's the deal. We ain't stopping. We can't. Foot on the gas. Can't stop, won't stop. All gas, no brakes. We're getting after it, going to keep going. Derrick Henry, it's well documented. Everyone knows he's he's done. He's done for the regular season, most likely. We hope to get him back in the playoffs. Let's do it for him. Rest of the season. Robert is now 2-2 two and two in the snake draft with these massive two wins with the Bills and the Rams. Uh, I have, or no, he has the Saints coming up as well. So he could finish 3-2. and two. This is his last game of the snake draft. If you don't know about that, we did a snake draft where we picked games we thought we would win. And whatever happens in them, win-loss, that's our record. Um, and, you know, we keep we keep it up. We keep up with that throughout the year. I'm rambling, just like we do always at the end of an episode. All I know is I'm fired up for this Titans team. It's a lot of fun watching them. Every time you look, some, someone else steps up. And it's incredible. We're doing the things that Super Bowl teams do. I want to end with one thing. There was something I saw on Twitter that I'm going to bring up and talk as I'm bringing it up. Well, JG, you didn't finish. You were 2-0 and in the record as well. I am 2-0 and with the Colts and the uh, Seahawks game. And then I'm 3-0 and with the Jags. Jags, Colts, and Chiefs. Correct. And I'll say this one last point. We we talked last week about how everybody's got to step up, including the fans, including our podcast. Everybody's got to step up in, in Derek's absence. How much of a thank you would it be to Derek Henry if we were able to get him one extra week to heal with a division with the wild card round by? If we could just say, "Hey, man, we don't need you into the divisional round," that'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. And he can get to fully one hundred percent. I mean. Talk about awesome. talk about a Super Bowl run. Listen to this. Tennessee has now won four straight games against teams that made the playoffs last season. Only three other teams that have done that in the past 15 seasons, each three of those went on to play in the Super Bowl. I mean, it is setting up. We're, we are getting set up for a Super Bowl run, and what I love about it is we're still underdogs. Nobody's giving us credit. No one's giving us no credit. No one thinks we can do it. And I, that's how that's how we thrive. As soon as we start becoming front runners like the Cardinals, that's when I start getting really nervous, okay? And the fact that we don't have Derek the rest of the way, we're never going to be the front runner this year. I don't care if we win the rest of our games. Nobody is going to start to think, okay, this is the best team in the NFL because we don't have our bell cow. But you know what? What people don't know, I don't even think a lot of people in the national media know that Derek's coming back. They don't know <laughs> – his heart and his soul king. and his love for this city and his love for the game for his teammates and for his brothers. And when he comes back and this podcast and he doesn't, they don't know his love for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when he comes back, it's going to be legendary. All right. That was a really fun Rams recap. I hope you, uh, hope y'all liked it. It went I'm a little J- bit long, but it, it, we did it go a little should bit have long. gone long. It <laughs> deserved it. I'm JG. I'm Pettit. And I'm Robert. Thank y'all for listening. <laughs>